Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 41. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have Ed May on the podcast. Ed is an artist from California's Bay Area and a blue belt in jiu-jitsu. He owns and operates edmaycanvas.com, where high-quality reproductions of his art are sold as well as high-end commissions of original fine art. He shared about working full-time on his living and part-time on his dream, as the late motivational speaker Jim Rohn used to say, in about following your heart. And my main takeaway was when he talked about a brutally honest feedback he received, how it impacted him, and how it can impact you when you receive future input, which was the inspiration of the title of this podcast, Receiving Feedback Like a Champ. At the end of the episode, I share with you five tips to take brutally honest feedback like a champ. Stay tuned right after Live Jiu-Jitsu's message. Oos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Live Jiu-Jitsu. Live Jiu-Jitsu supports social projects in Brazil and in the United States who offer free Jiu-Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to buy new mats, uniforms, tournament registrations, and the monthly expenses of these projects. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donates all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Live Jiu-Jitsu. For more information, please visit www.livejujitsu.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Ed May. Ed is a blue belt in Jiu-Jitsu under John Santos in San Ramon, California. Ed is an artist from California's Bay Area. He has been painting for the last 25 years. Some of his clients include Alan Jackson, Tesla, and Metallica, and corporate clients such as Capital One and Trader Joe's. Ed owns and operates edmakecanvas.com, where high-quality reproduction of his own art are sold as well as high-end commissions of original fine art. Ed's a proud father whose focus is on creating an environment for his children to pursue their dreams. Ed, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate it. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you. Yeah, we have a friend in common, John Baker. He's the one guy I'm in contact with you. He, For people who don't know, he was here on episode 20, talking about control the controllables. He's the mental coach for the Chicago Cubs. That was a great podcast. Learn a lot. If you have a chance, go check it out. So, Ed, let me know. Let us know. How did BJJ show up in your life? Well, um, I started, I've uh, been in a rock band for uh, 15 years, and my singer and my best friend uh, did jujitsu forever and ever, so under Caesar Gracie in Pleasant Hill. So I always knew about it and uh, appreciated it, love MMA, always loved the grappling uh, aspect of MMA. So I, I knew of it. I just was... I needed that push to get me onto the mats and uh, fast forward my music career. I was finding my path and um, I ended up doing some art for Dana White 
I, uh, trade, I traded him two tickets to see my favorite fighter, Nick Diaz, oh, fight, wow. Ander- fight Anderson Silva in uh, January of 2015. And I went out there with my best friend who knew all these guys and I ended up hanging out with Nick and, or not Nick, with Nate and Gilbert and uh, my friend Caleb Mitchell, all these black belts, all these just unbelievable martial artists. And I was looking around thinking, I've got to learn how to defend myself. This is crazy. These guys, I have too much at my fingertips. I have to take advantage of these relationships. So I came home, hit the gym, probably five months later, found my way into team santos and haven't haven't left love it yeah and what year was that when you started i was uh 2015 i was 2015 i was uh like 37 at the time found it way late after my music career and all the damage to my liver and (laughs) uh, all the all the fast food that i ate uh you know found my way there and lost 25 pounds and stopped drinking and i'm you know it just, it really, I became such a better father because of it. It's just, uh, it really changed my path. It changed yeah. my direction. And it rolls straight into the next question, which is how BJJ relates to life. Because one of the things that we just mentioned, I think one of the most common, I think, uh, common comments that I get from students, especially when they come, regardless of the age, especially over 30, they always say, I wish I had started earlier. They oh, all yeah. say that. You know, yes, yes, and no. I feel like mentality-wise, I'm I'm thankful I started when I started because I I don't know if I was mature enough to know how to hurt somebody and not hurt somebody. And you know, I I just I was such an angry guy, and and that's a little hard too because I was also drinking. So I was a different guy then, and it's hard to really compare. Yes. Hundred and eighty degree versions of yourself, right? Absolutely. When you think about some of the those things, especially when you when we think, oh man, I wish I started this early. But think about our kids, like man, how great this is for kids. Oh, yeah. For them to get into it, it's early, early the better. I think it's it's great for them. One hundred percent. My my oldest is eight now, and he's so timid, and he wouldn't hurt a fly. And I thought to myself, that's exactly who he needs to know jujitsu because he's got that calm he, he's just such a, a a kind soul and he you know the thought of being able to give him the tools you know to to at least defend himself and that confidence that just it's just naturally occurring in that room it's just a there's no other way I would want my kids to grow up. It's yeah it's having you know it's like having 15 dads on so he's already training he's training he's he kind of in and out he um I want him to love it. I love it. And I don't want to push him too hard. So I'm really trying to, you know, we moved from, um, we moved about 30 minutes out of town and there was a gym right down the street. Very good gym. Andre Dumdamaya, another uh, Caesar Gracie black belt. And I brought Parker to that class and they were so, such an intense program for the kids. It was great, but it was, it was a little too intense for him. And I just saw the writing on the wall that I just felt like, you know, I don't know if he'll leave love in it. I just got, so I, we kind of backed out and we're, I take him when he's interested. I just, I really want him to be in it for the long haul. My middle child, Park, or Charlie's four, he's an absolute animal and he can't wait to get on the mat. So <laughs> there's a difference. But So when I mention, you know, especially all the benefits that you got from jujitsu, how do you say that BJJ relates to life? Well, I, my first answer that comes to me would be that 
jujitsu is so hard and I feel like life is hard and there's a direct correlation there with the struggles that I feel um, when I'm a 42 year old featherweight and I climb onto the mat and everyone's bigger than me and everyone's younger than me. You know, I don't, I don't think about the bills. I don't think about the struggle. I just think about surviving, breathing, calming, just trying to find my way on that mat every time, never without fail. I, I feel that's the other thing too, is that things that are hard, you can't just give up on life. Jiu-jitsu is so hard, but I want to be a black belt one day. So the only possible chance I have of that is that Tuesday that I don't want to come, that Thursday I don't want to come, that Saturday, every day, just making myself go to, to practice and learn something. And I think that um, I've learned so much about, you know, respecting my own time. You know, again, there's another thing that takes time away from my week or from my family, but it's, I feel like I'm gifting that time to my family because I'm such a better person because of it. That's beautiful. Now, you're the per you, I guarantee that one day you will get to your black belt. I've been pursuing <laughs> your dreams for a while, so you will. It doesn't matter. Know, man. <laughs> I don't know. It will happen. You know, it may I take a little it. longer, but you know, it will happen. So I would like you to, before the art you mentioned about being a musician. So I, I want to hear a little bit more about the spark that when you that you had when you decided to pursue music before the art so when that happened i was uh gosh i was 14 years old uh, my mom had died i was uh the only person home i uh, woke up and she had an asthma attack we'd moved from from north carolina to uh, moraga california and my dad was at school or my dad was at work my brother was gone and um I was a young kid. I woke up and, and she was dead and I tried to give her CPR and uh, she didn't make it. And uh, it, you know, I just walked around with that, that anger for a long time, but I, but I had this guitar. My dad knew I, I was, you know, I, he knew I needed something and I was always interested in his guitar. So he bought me a guitar and I just closed my door and I just started to apply myself to that thing that, you know, I just wanted to be better at something. I didn't really have the artistic skill to communicate through painting yet. I just, uh, I couldn't really communicate with, m with my words. I just had no way to talk. So I, I just dove into music and then I'm really lucky. I, you know, some of my best friends were in my band and I grew up with them. So some of them knew me when my mom died at 14 years old and, you know, I had a 15 year music career with them. So talk about, you know, in good hands, at least I, I didn't have to move away. I didn't have this horrible upbringing. It was nothing like that. It was just uh, loss and sadness. Um, those were the main things that drove me to music. And then once I started to really apply myself to music, I, I found ways to communicate through music. And uh, my rock band, Third Rail, um, we put out three or four albums or, or EPs or whatever. Um, I just dedicated my life to creating music with my best friends and, you know, we had dreams of taking over the world. That's what we did, you know. That's, That's awesome. And when was the transition from the music to art? Because that is a, you know, being an artist, that's a tough gig. 
you know, make yeah. living as an artist and such a oh, tough yeah. gig. So how did you deal with all the, the fears, the anxieties, the doubts of like, uh, you know, I really want to pursue this. Can I afford? So how was this right. transition for you? Well, I, I uh, was lucky enough to have my job at Trader Joe's uh, where I was doing sign art for Trader Joe's for eight years. And I had that as a backbone. So I didn't really have to worry about putting food on the table. Um, we, we were barely making our rent, but we were making our rent. And uh, my wife allowed me the time to be sad over the music thing. And, you know, I, I just I felt like I had more to give. And I, um, I had this talent. I had this artistic talent that I've, I've been painting or drawing or creating since I was probably 10, much, much before I ever started to actually paint on canvas. Um, I feel like I just tried to honor that and um, just any extra hours I had in the day, I just wanted to be better at something. And I, I couldn't really just be, you can't just snap your fingers and have a rock band ready to start recording or play. So I could control painting on my own. So I felt like that's probably the, the gateway to becoming much better it was not beating myself up over the daily struggle of, oh, well, today I'm not doing it. Well, okay, well, this month we paid our rent. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm still in my kid's life. I'm, I'm, I'm a good husband. I'm trying to, I'm home every night. I'm, I'm applying myself in that facet, but I'm also trying to apply myself to this other thing and just become a better painter. So I, um, I just, every day, it was just a slow process, you know? And then I, I started, I had a couple shows and I sold a bunch of my original art and that was a big deal for me. But then it's hard to, you know, bet the farm when you're trying to, you know, make originals and sell them at a minuscule price because no one knows your name. So then I kind of, there was a separate set of problems of, okay, well, how can I monetize this? Is there a way to create this art and and try to find a way to make it available to the masses and um and not feel like i'm working so hard every day to create these originals but just not get paid well for them if that makes sense yeah and how what gave you the clarity for that for your next step oh. to actually started to um you know to move on and like okay things are getting better absolutely it, you know i think it was this moment where i looked around me and especially in the jujitsu room there are some guys in there that just seemed to know what they were doing in their own personal lives much like john baker if john baker was here at that time he would have been the first guy i would have bugged about advice and there was a guy named ramon on my jujitsu team who just was a great dad and a really business-minded entrepreneurial guy and I just I really respected him and I respected his opinion and I felt like this one day I said hey man can I buy you a cup of coffee and just ask you a ton of questions and what I did was I trapped him I asked him I told him what I thought I was good at and I asked him his advice what do you what do you see as something that might be a viable saleable thing um, involving my my talents of art sign art um, canvas art, all these different, you know, graphic design for rock bands, all these things like, okay, yeah, ABC, they make money, but a bunch of that takes time away. Like sign art, I, I'm doing menus for restaurants, but it's at, I need to go work between 9 p.m. and 2 a.m. because they're closed, right? So I, I can work in the piece of 
quiet and I'm not bugging them or their customers, but I'm also not sleeping and I'm not next to my kids. And it's just a hard life. You know, I was thinking, these are the things I'm good at. Ramon, what would you do if you were me? And then 12 hours later, he sends me this text and says, what would you think about going into business with me? And I thought, I, I mean, are you kidding me? I would, I would be honored. I, that's the portion that I don't have. I, I, don't, I don't possess that business mind that I so appreciate in others. And that's what happened. He saw that uh, we could sell high-end reproductions of my art and try to make it affordable for everyone. Because a lot of, most of my friends want to support me, but they can't afford $1,000, $2,000 for an original, but $100, $200, now we're talking, right? So that was... Yeah, and this is very important for all the listeners to pay attention because we have at here people who are entrepreneurs and we got people who are in transition. That's, they're in the corporate world, not you know, satisfied and they thinking about you know, ideas, what to do. And the simple action that you mentioned, maybe some people didn't pay attention. Can I, hey, can I pay you a cup of coffee? You know, just to get together, change everything. Just the power of asking. And we had the previous podcast, actually, number 40, was about surrounding yourself with like-minded people. Oh. You wanted to know more about entrepreneurship. You know, you don't have maybe that background. And then you went straight to someone who has, and then, that if you didn't put yourself in that situation, it wasn't even that hard. The worst could have happened. They said no, you right. know, and it worked right. out. So this is for all the listeners. If you do have friends, people, teammates that the same way that Ed said that you respect and you value their opinion, do that. You know, if they're busy a after training, can we catch up for five minutes? You never know what's going to come from a conversation like that. So right. Beautiful, man. Congrats Absolutely. on on taking action on that. You know, oh, it's thank so, you. It's so thank important. You. I think it's crazy to consider yourself a smart person and consider that you have all the answers. I mean, it's just, it's preposterous. I've never, in my band, I was not the best musician. Um, I'm not the best artist. I, I, I'm okay with that. I'm me. I'm, 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 doing what I know how to do and I'm showing my kids that it matters and, and, and that, um, you know, recognizing someone's brilliance in their own lane, you know, like-minded people, absolutely. But I can't fill my room with a bunch of like-minded artists that are also equally horrible at business. Mm -hmm. It would be, I've done that and it doesn't work. Right. I've, I've spent all my money on prints and then lost all of it because I just didn't know what pulse was on my art and, you know, it, it's easy to fail. Um, it, it's so hard to just acknowledge uh, that you don't have all the answers and to also take the criticism of smart people. And it, he could have very easily said, hey, man, I don't see anything here. And, you know, that's his honest opinion. If that was his opinion, thank goodness it wasn't. <laughs> and and it doesn't mean that it's true. It's just his absolutely. If, if any, any of your friends that you have launch and ask, and they say like, "I don't see it," it's not final. That's just absolutely. Isn't. It's it's not the be all end all, but it's important to be able to at least take that on the chin and just ask yourself, well, how can I learn from that? I mean, how where's their angle? Why did they come up with that conclusion? You know, it's a, it's an honest answer. It used to happen with, with music all the time where you think you nail it. 
you don't or you you know it's it's much i think it's easy with art when it either connects with you or it doesn't connect with you and some people like your style and some don't it, it never slowed me down at all i've taken a lot more no's than yeses absolutely i believe now what would you say is one of your worst not necessarily i can say entrepreneurial experience and what did you learn from it but not necessarily uh, entrepreneurial but i want to hear maybe could it be in the, the music world or art or some of the struggles that you had you're like okay i learned a lesson and then from there you kind of uh, well, change it, behavior absolutely it kind of goes with what we were just talking about i um through doing work with rock bands and being in a rock band in the scene for uh, forever, I've got a lot of connections and I uh, had a connection to get my art into uh, doing posters for a really prominent um, uh, venue in San Francisco that's very famous. And it was a dream come true. I, I, um, I have that coffee table on my book, on my uh, table right now, or the coffee table book is just it's like gorgeous. It's like a Bible of the most beautiful um, uh, art for posters that I, you could ever imagine. They're just all hand done in the 60s and 70s. They asked me to submit some stuff and I was so excited to submit my art to this lady and I got, I was so confident too. I, I worked so hard on this piece and I get this email back and I open it up and it was a scathing, horrible, response she hated it she hated it she didn't see what where i was going with it she didn't understand my thought process at all it was it was the biggest no i've ever received i think and i i mean i i shed tears i was i was so upset because i felt like i also closed that avenue i closed the line of communication she didn't have any faith in my my artistic style she didn't see what i was even it, you know, it's one thing to paint something and have someone tell you, oh, that doesn't look like that thing. It's another thing for someone to say, why did you even paint that? And that was, I felt like I didn't know up from down after that. I didn't know why I was going into being an artist after that conversation. It just crushed me. Um, it, and I think the biggest, the biggest lesson I learned from that was, A, take the criticism. Take a deep breath think about what they said and and apply that towards the future don't live in it don't just you know die in this old review and and allow yourself to um get knocked off of your goal of being whatever you're trying to be but just listen to what they're saying because there might be some valuable information there and i years later looking at what i did and you know and i see what she i now can see what she was saying and it's just an amazing, uh, I'm so used to that rash response. Well, you don't know me and, you know, just come off like this defensive wall is put up and I'm, you don't learn anything from that. Yeah. You know, so we're ego defending ourselves. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. We, we got to so defend ourselves. We got to put the dukes up. You know? Absolutely. And, and then, you know, you know, get them up now. And then as I'm driving home, well, maybe she's got a point. Well, you could have, you know. All that suffering, it's, I, I feel like I, I learned a lot. I learned how to move on uh, from that and, and take the good with the bad. It would be much easier if there were 100 yeses and then one no. But we both know that that one no would still ruin that all those yeses. You would still feel like you lost all this ground. 
but imagine that it's 96 no's and four yeses. I mean, who on earth would keep their sanity and, and, and try to like fight through that without taking some ownership over all the no's and try to figure out, okay, how can I turn that into five yeses, six yeses, 10 yeses, 20 yeses. Now I'm at a point where I can kind of choose where my, I spend my time with my custom painting. I've never dreamed of that moment. I've taken every job because I'm desperate, right? Now I've, I've because of all of that, I feel like I've, um, I've refined my style. Um, I, people know my art when they see it. And that, that's, you can't really ask for more as an artist. And I don't think I would have come to those terms if I didn't just take that shot right on the chin from that lady. It was brutally honest and painful and probably very necessary at the time. Yeah. We, one of the things that we talk a lot about here on the podcast is the difference between you having the growth mindset and the fixed mindset. And for you, it's amazing to go through the transformation at, and some areas of our life that have the fixed mindset that this is how it is now. Uh, and you're going to start being taken very personal. You know, the attack, as you mentioned, when you change and you flip the switch to a growth mindset that you start not taking personal and extent, understanding that everything is just part of that process of the learning and developing. It's, it comes down to it's all about your perception. What's your perception of what they're saying? Try to detach emotionally from the, the ego and the like, oh, I know that you put so much work to it. So it feels like a stab right in the chest. Oh, like, <laughs> yeah. Really? <laughs> right, right. And, but, you know, what I love is that you grew from it, you know, and you'd not be where you're at in your life if you didn't have to take that hit. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, and I'm blessed with uh, being surrounded by, uh, some amazing friends that I've had in my life since I played music um, that I, I, you know, I think having a strong in my wife, my kids, I just, uh, I feel like having that, that, um, that foundation uh, to really be able to let it all out. And, and uh, you know, I think there's a, an epidemic of adult men, especially uh, in the world that have a really hard time uh, letting their feelings out. And uh, we kind of, I see it a lot in jujitsu too. It's funny of all the things that get kind of broken down. It, that's one of the things that is still pretty strong and that see some people that just can't let it out and, and, and really let, let people inside. And I'm very lucky to have some people that really know me well, that are you know, real close to me and they don't let me get away with that stuff. So now you a guy that's been following your dreams since you're a teenager with a band and going in and eventually to to art. So we consistently just one of the things that I, I do for myself and seems like you do the same, just in search of your being authentic to your desires. You have have a desire and you want to be authentic to it. I and I always like to bring this up to you because sometimes people have they say like, Are you authentic? You know, if I have if I ask anyone, it'd be like Oh yeah, I'm authentic. I, I dress any way I want to say whatever I want. Yeah, that's part of authenticity. Now, are you authentic to your desires? You do the things that you actually, you want to do it. Are you doing or you're pursuing or you're not because of fear, anxiety or whatever? If you're not, maybe the authenticity level is kind of low. So it's not about, I like to see it, not a yes or no to 
authenticity. I see as like a level from zero to a hundred. Maybe we're never going to reach a hundred. Who knows? But our goal is to try to get as high as possible. So just for the fact that you're ready do, and we're not talking about anything about financial. It's just about living the lifestyle that you want, doing an activity that you engage. And not everyone sometimes can be authentic to their desires, not because of financial or whatever, but because of the, the fears, the anxieties, the doubts, the fear of the unknown. So what would you say to the listeners who maybe are not in pursuit of their dream right now because of whatever reason they have? What would you tell them for them to actually inspire them to, man, go after, go after? Gosh. Well, I think, um, you know, you say it's not the financial, but I think for me, it was always, um, it, it's always this teetering. I'm on the fence of how much time can I spend on this thing that I think is kind of my answer, my, the, the, the thing that the fire in my belly, um, you know, because I got to go to work and I got to, I got to do these things. I got to, I found like last year, uh, 2018, when, um, when my business partner and I just were kind of feeling this new idea out. Okay. Then beginning of next year is our jumping point. I had about a year to get ready. I was working full time, 40 hours a week for Trader Joe's waking up at four or four thirty in the morning to make my six o'clock shift. Um, I was, um, uh, um, taking night shift. I was taking, uh, uh, jobs at night, uh, doing sign art. I was training four days a week. I was trying to be a good dad, but every other waking hour I was painting and I, I just, I refused to allow, um, the uncomfortable nature of, um, a busy lifestyle. It just completely box out the thing that I wanted to become good at. And that was, I wanted to be a better painter and be able to communicate through my painting. So I think um, the, the biggest thing I learned through that is that there's always time. There's always, you know, I used to watch TV. I used to do other things. I used to play my guitar more. And that's something I miss a little bit, but one needed to be traded for the other. And I, I, I wanted to be a better painter. And now I have a, a, the means to be able to paint for my house and, um, my day i'm not waking up at four in the morning anymore i'm taking my kids to school now i've got a three-month-old little girl that i absolutely adore um you know i get to i get to experience all this stuff so i, I hope that the inspiration that um someone would walk away with is that there's always there are always moments to find to dedicate towards that thing and if you just take a baby, tiny baby step every single day towards that thing, then you're on the path. And, and also don't beat yourself up so much. Don't expect the world to change overnight just because you're, you know, your mentality is right. I feel like it's, uh, I would have been discouraged years and years ago if I allowed that because I've, I've been having, you know, I've been working hourly jobs at a grocery store for eight years, not loving that for a moment, other than the fact that it, you know, helped me keep my lights on and food in my belly, but it was never the, the, the goal. And that's okay. You know, it's okay. And it's also okay to stay in that zone and just find the time on your own to just pay respect to the thing you love, whether it's reading or 
writing or painting or jujitsu, any of those things that we love and we, we fill our days with. I arrived here in the U.S. in 1999. I only started work just 2005, uh, basically 06. That's when 2006, since 2006, I only work with what I want. But by that point, that didn't happen. I did a lot of jobs there, man. I did not like it all, you know. And I knew there's just it's just part of the process. That's Absolutely, it. and it's you know, and it, it it's never as pretty as you you know. It always sounds more romantic afterwards. It's a, uh, it, you know, I never w was dying to work for a grocery store. But then again, I found a grocery store that paid me to do art and then sent me to do their corporate art for their national headquarters every year for like six or seven years. I mean, you know, I, I found a way to have some pretty sweet jobs. In my yes, life. No. because it would be way off that you couldn't even use your creativity. That would be rough. Yeah, I could be on a scaffold somewhere, you know, and these guys that build the bridge or, you know, there's... I don't know. I, I, I'm a very lucky guy. Um, at no point do I profess to have, uh, have all the answers. I, uh, I, I found a way to always get a little bit better at my craft. Um, and, uh, and I'm so lucky for that. Yeah. Very important that you mentioned too, because when you're talking what kind of advice or maybe suggestion to people out there, of course, prioritize but even when i think about it even before that the the book thinking grow rich with napoleon hill he mentions that the number one pillar for the base of everything it's having that burning desire that means if that burning desire is not that it's going to be very tough for you to do what you did for that long the longest time People will be like four years ago, I'm done. This is not working. So when the burning desire is that, that's what give, is going to give you strength and the tough times come that and I have to do this. I have to keep doing this. And sometimes people haven't found yet. They, maybe they're doing the business just because it's a good trend and sounds like a great business. But sometimes when the tough times come, you know, it's hard to like keep pushing through like, dude, it ain't worth it. No, I'm, I'm right. done. But when you do have the cause in the same way you, you did that it's when you have it it still doesn't guarantee you that you're gonna get it but at right. least give you the bad better odds of okay i'm still in the game at that's least it. you're in the game that's it and then last year when all of a sudden this entrepreneurial guy you know ramon tells me that he sees uh he sees something viable here it gave me this spark i just felt like i felt ignited again i felt like it was just a, a rebirth and then I, I felt so motivated to come home and try to smash out a painting, uh, work all night on something. And then just to show Ramon, look, I'm serious. I love, I love this. I, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I don't, I don't want to settle. I don't want to just assume this role of, oh, well, I'm a good painter, but you know, never could quite figure it out. No, I, it gave me so much uh, fuel for the fire last year that I felt like uh, I barely noticed that I was working so much and, and I would come home and just felt like my real job started when I could pick up my brush and smash something out like that Einstein was done, you know, in, in my garage during the summertime. Uh, every day that I came home after painting for eight hours, I would paint more. It's just, do you love it or do you love it? You know, yeah. how bad do you want it? You know, 
I believe I wanted it. I wanted it real bad. <laughs> so. And you got it. Now, what would you say it's a one high performance habit that you have that you do daily that helped you in your life and art in jujitsu? Um, well, I mean, I, it reminds me of, um, of Baker, John Baker, drillers are killers. When we, when we started, um, we met in line at jujitsu and we were both, I've never seen John Baker sad necessarily, but I would say that we were probably pretty sad uh, when we were standing there in line and we met and we're the older guys at jujitsu, no stripes on our white belt. And, you know, we were both there. His baseball just ended for him. Music ended for me. Um, him and I, he and I are not in the same weight class. Um, <laughs> he, he taught me how to drill. Uh, I met him every morning. Uh, because he just was hungry. He had this drilling mentality from baseball. I, I borrowed that from John and I, uh, I kept it in play last year was like a big drillers or killers. How much do you want it? I want to do, be good at jujitsu. I don't want to give up on jujitsu for a year. I don't have, I'm too old. I can't, I can't stop just because my body won't respond well. So how can I do all the things? And I, I just developed this brutal schedule of, keeping everything in my life that mattered to me and shaving off the things that didn't mean that much to me at the Beautiful. time and, and just making every moment count and um, stick into the regiment. And, I'm, you know, I don't know if that's a necessarily a habit, but I just, that was just, it has, yes, it true. is for sure. Big time. I mean, some people can come here. What's a, a good habit that I have? Like one, let's say it's not my main one, but one of the habits that I have improved that I can say sleep. Nowadays, I'm a lot more uh, like mindful of my sleep. What time until what time I'm going to work? What time I'm going to wake up? You know, there's times yeah. it's grind time and, you know, it is what it is. Got to get stuff done. But I, I would say from three years to here, I've been a lot more aware because sometimes I don't know for, for the listeners, you know, I don't know what kind of maybe reading or content you watch, but I started to pay attention. I got this tip from Tim Ferriss actually he's saying like I'll never study I'll never read anything that is non-fictional non-fiction at night or maybe something that creates my my brain just gonna start like going crazy and I know it's gonna affect it's gonna take me a while to sleep so he reads some fiction stuff that is gonna kind of let him like okay just zone out and and I, I try to pay attention a lot to that and if I I have to create a content and then I'm writing and there's one point I was like okay, it's 10 p.m., I better stop here because I know that the next paragraph, it's going to go into one easily. And my brain's going to shut it off like about three. So I better start <laughs> stop right now. So that's a habit. You know? So anything that's improve your productivity, your everyday stuff. And this for all the listeners, you know, think, really think about that. What is one habit that you have that have been helping you didn't even realize but you got to think about hey what else could i be doing so sometimes not even what else you need to do but like as you mentioned what can i stop doing what i've been doing too much that is not working i have to stop some i gotta do more stuff some i gotta do less and again bring uh, being honest yourself and priorities comes back to the same way if you want to get your goals and dreams priorities will be huge and who who are we to tell the listener you like what your priorities should be? You're the one who should be That's thinking it. about it, whatever works for you, your family and your business. 
Absolutely. It's so important. I think yeah. it's so important to keep that straight. Now, what is the best advice you've ever received? doesn't matter. Any area of your life? Well, I think um, I, I got great advice. Uh, well, my dad always used to tell me to not just use my head for just a hat rack. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, I, I think of him every time. I, <laughs> he was like, it would, how, how, how impressed would, would he be with this? You know? <laughs> um, but I, I, uh, I got some great advice uh, by somebody that it was, um, don't waste your time telling everyone what you're not going to do. Just don't do it. You know, if, to me, to me, it kind of falls along, along the lines of um, being so sure of, of yourself that you need to tell everyone about their misgivings or, oh, I don't drink and you shouldn't drink too. This is why. Slow down. You know, you cannot drink and you can, that's okay for you. But understand that everyone's got their own path. It's not your job uh, or your concern. Um, I used to, I used to tell everyone all the things that I would never do and because of this and this and this. And then you end up doing something and you feel this double sense of guilt. And life is a journey. Be nicer to yourself. It, you know, it's, it's easy to choose the things, um, you know, the most healthy for yourself and all this. And I would always encourage that. But um, I just, I spent, I wasted a lot of time uh, in my life, uh, especially when I was younger and angrier, um, telling everyone all the things that I would never do because of this and that, and, uh, just don't do it. There's, there's not enough energy, you know, it, you can, you can walk away with it a little more positively and not sound so preachy. And, um, you know, if people come around and want to talk to you about something that you do that they think would be good for their life and beautiful, but, Right now, I have to watch myself with jujitsu because I, I, all my friends, I'm like, well, yeah, you say you're broken, your back hurts, and I think you need some blood flow to your back, and you haven't actually stretched in 10 years. That's probably an issue. You should come to jujitsu. Got it. I probably, they'll never come to jujitsu if yeah. I keep saying it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And um, one of the things in the mornings, I have my morning routines and I think every year I've been developing a little more what I do and stuff. And one of, one of the things that I have at the end of it, it's I go over my virtues, things that I believe, statements, questions, reminders. So I go and 20 of them and, and I think about it. And one of them I have even in front of me, uh, number seven, it's just, uh, I just ask myself, this is all before I start my day, you know, like after, okay, after I finish this year, Okay, I'm ready for my day. I'm gonna whatever I'm gonna do. And one of them is are you judging or criticizing yourself and or others? Of course, naturally we do. We're human beings, you know, uh, but sometimes we don't filter and like you said, we put it out, you know. So right. that reminds me to be more mindful of like, hey, don't judge and criticize who are you to be doing because you definitely ain't perfect. And, and I try to be super aware of that, you know, cause it, the same as, as the years go by, you know, I try to minimize and minimize and catch myself before I'm about to say something like, uh, uh, got it, right. bring it in. And at the same time, uh, I love when you said that, you know, if let's say you did one of the practices that I, I started a few years ago was the practice of self-forgiveness. 
self-forgiveness and move on. Like, you know what? Yeah, I messed up. It's not exactly what I should have done. Just kind of be compassionate to yourself and move on. And you might have to do that multiple times a day. You know, right. for some people may be like, ah, that's kind of too woo-woo. Yeah, self-forgiveness. But it's true. It really is. You know, if not, you're going to be beating yourself up, like you said, like, oh, man, I should have like, that's okay. That's it. It's part of it. Let's move right. on. That's beautifully stated. Yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly it. Yeah. So what advice would you give to your younger self when you, let's look into the moment that it, you start getting more involved with art more professionally what advice would you give to not that you want anything to change right it is what it is but after what you saw if we could go back in the past and give have a little conversation with younger ed be like hey just let me just mention something quick to you yeah. what that would it be i think i would um again i was i was very angry and i um and i was very i was hurt uh, with my mom's passing and i never um, I think I would give myself a huge hug and I would ask why I'm so angry. And also, um, my art used to be angry because I just didn't, I felt like I needed people to get me and I needed them to see the anger. And I think, um, no one goes to a museum to become more angry, right? True. No, no one goes and finds a piece of art that makes them angry and then sits in front of it for an hour and tries. To, it's just not, it's just not how people consume art. And I, I wish that I could have sat myself down um, and just had an honest conversation of what's your goal? Are you trying, these people came to your show to see your art. What, what gift were you giving them? Were you giving them just an insight to the anger because you could have probably told them about that. You don't necessarily need to drag them through 15 paintings that are all equally, you know, just upsetting. And that would be a big thing is it, my goal now is to bring people away from that. There's so much of that. There's so much negativity and um, just yucky feelings out there. We all need to sift through that and fight our, initial reaction of uh, and adding to the chaos. I'm trying to add to that calm pool and, um, and create my balance there. So I, you know, I would think I would want to show myself the possibilities of art and, and just try to give myself a little more of a, an outlet. So it didn't just come out, just puke onto a canvas, this anger. It's not, it's just not necessary. Mm -hmm. And I always like to, tell people that's kind of how I had to learn to you. you did the best you could with the emotional maturity that you had at that yeah. moment if you had time. a different level again I would love to to reach my 100% level of emotional maturity who knows if one day I'll get there living in the mountains <laughs> or something meditate or I don't know but it's it's uh, definitely a hard thing to do but again our goal is to keep raising that keep right. raising that emotional intelligence level and the only way you're going to do it is with a growth mindset or having the open mind to reevaluate things not take so personal and and kind of find a way of little by little smashing the ego and kind of detach yeah. it from it which tough process very tough process I, I was curious i wanted to ask you a question I, um, can you because you i mean you've you've competed all over the world do you feel like 
you would have, if with your mentality now and then the youngster where you've just started, like in the, you know, back in the day when you were just started, maybe in the, like the late nineties when you started competing and stuff, do you think you would have had a completely different outcome on some of those matches or do you, you know, you, does, yeah. does that make sense? Absolutely. Do you feel like, do you wish you could go back and have the mentality of, of, of 2019 Gustavo as opposed to the it youngster that was fired up? <laughs> it would be awesome. Again, it was one of those that, you know, we did the best I could with the emotional maturity level I had. Right. But there's no doubt about it. I wasn't ready mentally at, at all. You know, I, I'm very proud of what I accomplished. I could have accomplished so much more and I didn't because of my mindset, because of my mind. Yeah. That was the only thing. That was the main thing that was holding me back. I did have the desire. I'll have a, I had a very strong fixed mindset, very outcome driven win yeah. results win if you right. win you have this so i was very outcome and that that hurt me for a long time again for people who are listening some of them know a little bit about my story but i had a just a roller coaster of confidence let's say from starting jujitsu in a in a not a very qualified school let's put this way you know and especially that was like 1989 there's not like there's that many you know schools even though in brazil back then and then eventually i figured out a couple years later bugging my teacher like hey i want to go to a tournament i want to go to a tournament and so he never "Ah, there's no tournaments which really didn't have but at least they they were tournaments he just wasn't really into it so i bugged him so much that he said i'm going to do a in-house tournament sweet i mean (laughs) like bugging this dude for two and a half years literally And then the day comes in and I got smashed, you know, but like, you know, both matches and I got in my first match, I got submitted in 20 seconds with a triangle, uh, by the way, by a white belt while I was wearing a blue belt. So if you train jujitsu, you know how that's going to go in your ego, you know, and yeah. I, I, I went home and I told, I was, uh, I think it was uh, the year that I was going to turn 17. I went home to my mom and I told her like, I, 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 I don't miss a class. I do everything this guy telling me to do. And this is what I do now. I, I need to find a place. And then, so I went from, you know, going into a tournament, you know, excited to like next thing I'm anxious. I'm like, I don't know. I don't want, you know, like get embarrassed again. And then my, my friends that didn't train jujitsu give me a hard time. So when you're a teenager, your self-esteem is low. You don't know what is going on. You know? So I start to bring a lot of anxiety to tournaments. Like, I want to win. I want to prove to them. So I was, and hopefully people who are listening right now and competing, don't do this mistake that I did, which was I was fighting for my self-esteem. I was fighting to feel good about myself. When I win, great. Yay. You know, and when I lose, I'm like, oh my God, this is a disaster. People looking down on me. And I had no idea. And even though I was able to get better results, but when I look back at some of the performances that I had that I completely just this is the, the term to use, choked. You know, I was just like, no, because my mind was in a completely different planet. I couldn't focus. Yeah. And I didn't know. I didn't know how to deal with all that stuff. So it would have been in a different, completely different route. However, when my, when my life was, one of the things that people don't know, when my life was really in 1998, I got my black belt in December 98. That's when it took me so long for me to start uh, doing well in tournaments. I didn't compete as a, a white belt. I, comp- I won one small tournament as a blue belt. 
you know, lost a bunch of them. And then the purple belts start to turn around and then brown belts are like, sweet. And then get to a point that the opportunity to come to the United States came. I came to compete and ended up doing well, opened the doors for me. And uh, a lot of people said, man, now that you're, you're getting better results, now you're going to go and then we're not going to have good training partners. So I bought all that and I came, when I came to the U.S., my, every day my confidence was sinking more and more. I'm like, I don't have my training partner. So I believed, I believe in their opinions. You know that, oh, you're not going to have your training partner, you're just going to go downhill. And then I bought it. And I was like, yeah, my jiu-jitsu is going downhill. You know, I'm not ready. And I, I wish I could say like, oh, Gustav, that's dumb. <laughs> yeah, I, I right. wish I could have. Could have said different, but I didn't. But my right. goal, my goal since the beginning never was to be a world champion. By 1992, I, I wanted to have my own academy, make a living with uh, jiu-jitsu. And it happens in 1996, they had the first worlds and I competed. I was like, oh, that would be cool to compete. And then I, I ended up competing and stuff for school. And then from there, it started growing, but I never really i did compete a lot but it wasn't like my main goal was to be a world champion i just wanted right. i just wanted to pursue that so long uh long story short you know i i had to make that transition it was tough i i sacrificed my competition career but if right. i didn't maybe i had a bigger competition career but maybe i wouldn't be where i'm at today you know right that's so, so true man it's so true yeah. it's like you you might not have ever, um, you know, wished that upon yourself, but you would wish this upon yourself. Yeah. This beautiful future. It's like, yeah. Uh, and so for, yeah. I think for all the listeners, it comes down to, again, the, something's got to give, you know, something's got to give. And I have in my case, in my case, cause it wasn't a, my priority. I did compete and stuff like that, but, uh, uh it wasn't the main priority. So, it was interesting in competing. Uh, I've been doing jiu-jitsu for 30 years, right? My first 20 years, I like to say that's my fixed mindset era. In the past 10 years, my growth mindset era. Wow. In my first 20 years, I was competing for wrong reasons. You know what I mean? Um, right. Again, fighting for my self-esteem to possibly feed my ego. And then since 2010, when I started to really get introduced to self-awareness, emotional intelligence, and mental skills training, I was like, oh, hello, we have a completely different world here. And then I started to compete to like, okay, to literally, now was genuinely challenge myself, challenge my emotions. Let me see everything that I'm learning here in this mental coaching. How can I apply this? And that everything changed after that. But those 20 years of I just didn't know better, you know? Right. So for right. everyone out there, the best advice, if there's one thing for you to take from what I just shared here, do not fight for your self-esteem. Don't fight for anything because you can't control the outcome. You can influence the outcome. You prepare yourself, shoot for the best, but you can't control the outcome. So anytime you put focus on something that you cannot control, like the outcome of a tournament, automatically muscle tension, anxiety, good chance of not performing <laughs> right. to the best of your ability. Right. And like I say, it doesn't mean that you cannot win, but I'm saying it's going to be very hard to be your best authentic version of yourself on the mat, being like, right. it was me. It was right. loose. It was me. It's very challenging to do that anxious, intense. You know what I mean? That, that's beautiful, brother. Yeah. So do you have the habit of reading them? I you know, I, 
I don't really read that much. I, I, when I say I literally spend every waking moment painting that's not with my kids or with my wife or jujitsu or work, uh, I, I have dedicated. And I was going to actually flip it on you and ask if uh, you could, you or your readers could uh, suggest me some books to read because there is a definite hole in my game. <laughs> yeah, this, again, uh, there's different books for different people. It really depends. I, this is something that really changed my life when I started to get involved, open my mind mm -hmm. to books and then... I'm not against it. I'm not against oh, it. I just yeah. uh, absolutely, I just, gosh, I, when I get a moment to, to do anything, I turn that light on in my shop and start to make something. <laughs> Reading per se is not an easy thing for me. Okay, I prefer audio, audio books. That could be something for you that you can just drive, just put, you know, uh, put in a car and boom and go. When you go to jujitsu, that's going to be, that'll like, be my move. This would yeah. be, uh, that's how I started. Right. Because I really struggle with the time, like I said, to sit down and get the book. And then I started to slowly building my habit back up of reading. So, so now I read every day. But one, a good goal for if you actually read it, the, the podcast seems to be the, uh, sorry, the audiobook seems to be the best option for you. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. I think because it, it's easy, you just go. Sometimes you're going to zone out. That's fine. You know, so that's why I listen two, three times because there's times that I just don't pay attention to something. Right. You know? <laughs> that sounds but, like me. <laughs> but, with the, but with the reading, you know, if you think about it, if you read 10 pages a day, it's 3,650 at the end of the year. That's, that's about 15 to 20 books. That's a lot of information. That's, um, yeah. you know, in 10 pages, it's not that bad. But if you don't have the habit right now, Man, uh, audio audio book would be great, and and after I can give you some, please some suggestions too. You know, I I'm just gonna say out um, how there one of my favorite books. I think that's the one that made the most impact on me was Psycho Cybernetics from Maxwell Maltz. This is from 19 what is it the 60s or something. So it's kind of almost like a a lot of people say that a lot of the, the speakers use that as a reference and understand about the self-image, the concept of, again, I, I put in my self-image that I believe what they told me. Oh, you're not going to be good there. Da, da, da. So I ingrained that in my, I never questioned that. I just, there was an opinion. I accepted. I didn't filter. I didn't do anything. So for all the listeners, imagine how many things you've done in your life that people told you, you didn't even check the validity. Just went straight to your self-image and became, uh, air quotations, true. You know, we just said, oh, I guess it's true. And you're going to act just like it. Yeah. You have to question the uh, reevaluate your self-image. So with that said, if people want to do some work with that psycho-cybernetics, it's wonderful. In, uh, man, I listened to that so many times. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Now, uh, so what are you currently excited about? What's going on? What's going on with the projects that you have? Uh, I'm super excited uh, about my business at edmaycanvas.com. Uh, I'm uh, just building it right now. It's, uh, it's, it's up and we're, we're selling pieces. So uh, that's just been amazing. I'm really excited about uh, working towards my purple belt this year. Mm -hmm. um, just, just trying to get better and find a way. And uh, gosh, I, those, those two things, you know, I'm so excited to, to see my, my little girl, Sasha, uh, start to make cooing noises and, 
it's just amazing just watching her growth and i mean i'm i'm in a great place so um just want to ride this this wave and see what this year brings me i think it's going to be a good year got it have you uh have you competed in jiu jitsu i have i uh competed twice as a white belt um first tournament i got uh i got smashed to uh i had a double bloody nose and blood all over my gi there are only two people in my division and i walk back to my kid and there's blood all over the front of my gi <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I lost. And then they called my name because we were the only two of us, so I got second place, right? So he goes, Dad, you won. <laughs> I'm like, no, I didn't, man. But I went up and I got his medal. I'll get you the medal. So I still have that medal. That probably means more to me than the gold medal I got. So I so then I lost the next tournament as a white belt just to points. I just I, by two points the first match and then by 12 points I just the second match my game my head wasn't in it I I just I didn't recover I just didn't know what I was doing so then I get promoted I signed up for another tournament I got promoted to blue belt and I thought John was crazy I thought I'd never even won a round I just want to win one round I don't care if I don't win I've medal. been there <laughs> I just want to not lose man <laughs> you know so I uh I stepped onto the mat as a blue belt and I choked this dude out in 28 seconds of the loop Sweet. choke. Right? Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, what? I remember, see, I remembered something. I was so happy. I, it was so quick. I didn't let my kids come because I thought for sure I was going to get smoked and they didn't want to see, you know, no more death. You know, I don't, I don't want you to see my blood anymore. But I, I got that gold medal and, you know, I still think that silver, that first silver means a lot because that reminded me of, uh, you know, just how futile it all is. And, and, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I've taken more lumps than I've won. I, I do okay in the room, but I still have a hard time connecting that, um, you know, that learning version of myself as opposed to that tournament version. And so, uh, and it's not the crowd. I'm used to big crowds playing my music. I'm, it's not like the, the environment doesn't get me. It's just the actual competition not knowing that guy the grips feel stronger they feel they always feel stronger to me i'm like maybe it's my age coming through but um i hear you I what know. one of the things that i it's kind of part of my spiel that i have in my academy with my students and this is kind of giving props to you and to any of the listeners who compete and their parents i always mention that like every time you you're competing you at or anyone listening you're a parent just keep one thing in mind you being an incredible role model to your kid winning or losing you're you teaching i was i would tell my son like dad is not superman daddy loses too you know you win you lose and teach him about success and failure and winning and losing and it's incredible how helps you know some of the students even kind of like huh, kind of like get a little bit of the weight off you know because right. you get that expectation i don't want to disappoint them and all that you know and but at the same time when you start to like use that you got to use that competition as a as this personal development tool that you learn from growing winning losing yeah it's cool but like the process that they've seen you getting ready, you preparing yourself for something, being being that example, I think it's a it's a great thing. It's a great example, you know, for 
yeah, and that was actually motivations that that I had earlier was that like to have a story to tell, like stories to tell uh, my son. One of one of my uh, strong memory ones that I wanted him to have that um, in my very first MMA fight, he was there in the first row. And I, when I won and then I kind of like pick him up in the ring. So he was yeah. in the ring with, he was like two and a half. He got a like, pacifier in his mouth, you know, yeah. and so <laughs> all that he's like looking around everyone. So, but I want that experience of him looking back and then it, it doesn't matter, you know, like he was there, you know, when, when you're losing out, he's said like, well, my, my dad was a, a tough old dude, you know, he put it in the line, up. he was doing it <laughs> and and that's the kind of stuff like the the motivations and one, some of the motivations that I that I have for competing. This was a big part of it, being a role model for my son. You know. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. And you you were doing it before it was cool. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Got no. Now you get love just to show up. No, like no. I I was doing it. I was towing the line. <laughs> So we're getting close to the end of the interview. So for all the listeners, maybe if you're new to the podcast, after every interview, I research on a topic. I, I reflect on the main takeaway from the interview, create a content and deliver to you with the intentions of inspiring, impact and improving your life in some way. So hopefully you'll be able to get at least one good takeaway. So Ed, uh, final message to the listeners. And if you want to, any other information, how they can reach you and check out your art. You already mentioned about, uh, I don't, I can't remember if you actually mentioned the, the website itself. I'm, I'm going to put in the, the, the show notes. Oh, but, thank you. So what do you um, message for, for the listeners? Well, um, I think the biggest message that, um, that I could possibly convey is to follow your heart, follow your dreams is so cheesy as it feels to say that I, I think that it uh it saved my life um it it keeping that in mind every single day as my daily mantra to just do something positive towards my goal uh every single day without fail um it it, it gave me what i have and i and i wouldn't i wouldn't have any of this without uh keeping that in mind on the darkest day or the brightest day. Um, just, just trying to pursue my dream and, um, and make the, the appropriate sacrifices to achieve that goal. Yeah. And what is the website? EdmayCanvas.com? Oh, EdmayCanvas.com. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at EdmayArt. Uh, same as Twitter at EdmayArt. Um, that's the best way to, to find me. I'll have a Facebook business page uh, that'll be all linked up to those things. So beautiful. Um, still in the process. Yeah. And one quick uh, thing just for the listeners too, as, as mentioned that you're like every day you're trying to get closer to what you, you know, your goal and make sure that every day you're doing a little bit, you know, moving the, the needle. So I have a, a question that I reflect in the morning too, that is, uh, what must I accomplish today to progress my life? You know, so I usually have the list of the day. So there's one thing that is like, this is the mission of the day. Whatever happens today, this year needs to move. I'm not saying that it's going to be finished, but like from here to here, I need to do that. So that reminds, since I do a lot of different things, I have to put everything on my board, you know, time breakdown, everything, what I'm doing. But if I don't watch it, I'm just busy. 
You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm busy, I'm busy. But then at the end of the day, I didn't do something that actually is going to help me to progress my life. I was just busy, emails, whatever. And then there's the, usually it's going to be something, could it be something uncomfortable, but like, oh, okay, this is super important. I, I didn't want to do this right now. But it depends, there's times that you're going to have to do a few things that, you know, uh, uh, didn't want to, and, right. but it, it needs to be done. That's it. I, I'd heard you say that in another interview where you said, uh, mentioned something about um, when, when something is, becomes really uncomfortable for me, I just have to do it. I just feel yeah. like it, you know, just force yourself. And I've been, I've been really trying to make myself do that because I'm not, I'm very good at the artistic stuff and I'm not so good at the business thing. So I'm trying to just stop that, that negative, um, mindset of oh you're not good at that but you're good at this and just trying to open my mind to other ways of thinking and um and adopt the brilliance that i'm surrounded by and and i think that's uh i'd be crazy not to do that we all would be you know yeah trust, well trust so psycho cybernetics is the one check that out the, the audio it's about nine hours i think nine hours audio and I, I probably listened to you in, in the past. I've been listening to this since 2000 and probably 13. And even uh, last year, I was listening again, you know, oh, because cool. it's great information that I'm like, man, I need to be always kind of revisiting that. And if all the listeners too, you know, this is a, this is a great one. It's not very famous book but uh, great for personal development. So Ed, thank you so much for the time really appreciate it. Had a lot of fun. Oh, you thank know. you, brother. Thank you. And I have to say, I uh, I uh, trained at your spot in uh, in Arizona with John uh, mm-hmm. a few years ago, and uh, you guys treated me so well. Uh, Sarah, Sarah Black, Black, yeah, she was like, she's so good. <laughs> I had so much fun training there. So I'm actually going to be there at the end of the month. So uh, I'm going to try to swing by and take a class. For sure. Let us know. All right, so for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Woos. Thank you. Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with Ed May. For those who are listening just to the final thoughts, Ed is an artist from California's Bay Area and a blue belt in jiu-jitsu. He owns and operates edmaycanvas.com, where high-quality reproductions of his art are sold as well as high-end commissions of original fine art. He shared about working full-time on his living and part-time on his dream, as the late motivational speaker Jim Rohn used to say. And after a lot of sacrifices, discipline, and patience, he was able to live his dream. He also mentioned about following your heart. As cliche as it sounds, when your heart is not into it, it will be hard to find the fulfillment you desire. My main takeaway was when he talked about a dream project, he put all his heart into it, and the coordinator hated the whole idea. He was so devastated that it took him a while to process the feedback rationally and not emotionally. Eventually, that was a huge lesson for him on how to take brutally honest feedback right on his chin, as he described, learn and grow from it which was the inspiration of the title of this podcast, Receiving Feedback Like a Champ. Now, I'm going to share with you five tips to help you take brutally honest feedback right on the chin and how you can learn and grow from it. Number one, the growth mindset 
is a must. This topic has been prevalent during the interviews and final thoughts. There is a book called Mindset, The New Psychology of Success by Dr. Carol Dweck. Incredible. Every entrepreneur should read it. It's super important for teachers. So jujitsu coaches out there, I highly recommend it. In decades of research on achievement and success, she wondered why some people avoid challenges and or crumble when faced with difficulties while others thrive and achieve their highest potential. Through the years, she developed the concept that there are two types of mindset, fixed mindset and growth mindset. Fixed mindset people get defensive and take it personally when receiving feedback. However, with a growth mindset, finds useful, something to learn from and to identify areas to improve. With that said, tip number two is actively listening. Ask for clarifications and specific examples. Don't try to defend yourself. Wait until the person is ready for you to express how you feel. As I have mentioned before, I used to be a member of Toastmasters. It's a public speaking club that you have a chance to practice public speaking and receive great positive constructive criticism. You can visit toastmasters.org for more information. They have clubs all over the world. The presentations take average five to seven minutes. And at the end, three evaluators give you feedback on the spot, two minutes each. Plus everyone in the room fills out the evaluation form and the speaker can get input from 20 or 30 people. One day, a seasoned professional speaker was doing his presentation, an older gentleman close to his 60. At the end, when the evaluators were giving him feedback, he was consistently defending himself to the point that got uncomfortable in the room. Great input, by the way, and I agree with everything the evaluator said. This is my personal opinion, okay? I didn't think he was as good as he thought he was as a speaker not as a person. He always been nice to me. What I wrote on the feedback evaluation forum was my opinion of his presentation, the good and the not so good. I wasn't attacking him personally. Big difference. But he was defending himself with a strong fixed mindset, like he was being attacked personally by the evaluators, which leads me to tip number three. You are not what you do. Feedback is not a reflection of your self-worth. Don't mix things up. Check out this powerful quote from the late Dr. Wayne Dyer. Quote, I am a human being, not a human doing. Don't equate your self-worth with how well you do things in life. You are not what you do. If you are what you do, then when you don't, you are not. Unquote. Okay, I'm going to repeat the quote because this is deep and is 100% true. I am a human being, not a human doing. Don't equate your self-worth with how well you do things in life. You're not what you do. If you are what you do, then when you don't, you are not. So detach emotionally from the feedback. Remember that you are not what you do. You're not what you have. You're not what others think of you. You are you. So be you. If you want to learn and grow from feedback, apply tip number four. Take the humble pill. When someone drops valid, constructive criticism, admit the truth. Swallow that humble pill with no water and 
grow from it. It takes courage. It's a big hit in our ego. However, it can be the catalyst for an excellent opportunity to grow. Some people may say, Gustavo, what if I don't agree with the feedback at all? I'm not trying to be difficult. I just don't agree. I have analyzed the most rational way possible and I still don't agree. Fair enough. That's why I put tip number five, agree to disagree. Of course, each conversation is different. It could be two friends talking. It could be you and your boss and your answer can determine your destiny with the company. It's your decision. The point is that you can rationally express yourself and disagree with someone's point of view. Now, the question is how well you can handle that kind of crucial conversation. That is why the growth mindset is the number one tip. Taking brutally honest feedback is an art. So why not practice or practice even more next time you receive feedback? Oh, We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com. 